Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. so thrilled to have on the podcast today, Dr. John Bilyeu. He is one of the foremost philosophers and groundbreaking innovators in the realm of sound healing therapies. He's also been a teacher of mine, and I have learned a great deal from his techniques, his research, his innovation, and his approach to all things healing, sound, frequency, and consciousness. He is also a world-renowned speaker, He's a composer, pianist, a board-certified naturopathic physician, a New York State licensed psychotherapist, board-certified polarity practitioner, and an author of a handful of books, two which we will touch upon in this talk, Human Tuning and Bellevue Memoirs. He has pioneered a technique called biosonic repatterning, which is a natural method of healing and consciousness development where he utilizes tuning forks and other modalities based on the sonic patterns or imprints inherent in nature. I ask him many questions around frequency, around consciousness, around even the sphenoid and the pituitary, the pineal and the third ventricle as doorways to alternate realities. I ask him all kinds of questions around frequencies that will work to heal the human body, his early discoveries while spending over 500 hours in an anechoic chamber, and so much more. I really hope that you will get great value from this very rich talk with John and that it serves you as always very well. Enjoy. Since I started studying with you and read your book, I have been wanting to find an anechoic chamber to sit in and spend some time with my nervous system. Because in your early days, you spent over 500 hours over the course of two years. I just want people to hear that. That's a long time. 500 hours over the course of two years, sitting in an anechoic chamber and listening to your nervous system. And I'm certain you got a lot of information about the nervous system, as you talk about in your book. And I believe if I'm correct, you discovered tuning forks in 1974. Yes. Yep. Right. Okay. And uh, discovered that tuning forks could be used on the nervous system, similar to a um, sacred or just a musical instrument. So my, my leading question is really now almost five decades later, what were some of the standout aha moments in those early days while you were sitting in the anechoic chamber and listening to your nervous system? Well, it, first of all, I was... I was listening to all the sounds in my body, the start. So my whole thing was to listen. I went in looking for, as John Cage did, for silence, and I knew it wouldn't be there because John Cage told me that when he's a composer, a, a, a new music composer in New York City, probably one of the greatest composers of the 21st, 20th century. And I went to New York to study with him, to be with him, and he wrote a book called Silence. 
And in that book, he talked about MIT. He went into an anechoic chamber. He just went in for like five minutes. And he said he was looking for silence because from engineering standards, the room was totally silent and totally dark. So therefore, he shouldn't hear any sounds. Mm-hmm. But he heard sounds, but the sounds he heard right away was his own body. And the engineer said the high-pitched sound is your nervous system in operation, and a low-pitched sound you hear is your blood circulating and your heart beating. So I knew that going in. And I was fortunate that in my laboratory at New York York University, I was a psychologist at that time. I was studying. I had my own lab, uh, and I was working at Bellevue Psychiatric, so I was combining, actually doing some of the original pioneering work in PTSD. Right, and so in that laboratory, there was an anechoic, a small anechoic chamber put there. Later, I found out, not at that time, it was put there in the 1950s by the CIA right. to, do, to do interrogation experiments with LSD. Right, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, nobody had known it was just sitting in the corner of the lab, it had been abandoned for probably 15 years, something like that. Uh, and I realized what it was, uh, and I had access to it, and I told the, the head of the department I wanted to use it, and he said, yes, you could use it, uh, no problem. Uh, he didn't even know what it was. And so, basically, I had my own private anechoic chamber. It was small, it wasn't like a big one, big front. It could be any number, any size you want. And the truth is, we've actually looked into starting the business where we put anechoic chambers in malls and people can go in and sit and where it's quiet. <laughs> right? So <laughs> I've actually learned how to do that. I could build them now if I wanted. But basically I went, you know, I sat in there with the idea that I just listened. And I knew I'd probably hear the sounds of my body, but not as clearly as what I heard them. So in the beginning I just sit, I could hear my I could hear the hair in my body. I could actually hear my blood circulating. I could hear my little pops and clicks. I could hear if I moved my clothes a little bit. I could hear every little sound after a while. And eventually I got fascinated more by the sound of my own nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I came to it. So I, I heard them all, but the nervous system me was somehow attracting me. And I kept journals uh, on the changes in it. But I do mantras. And so I wasn't doing 24 because originally I was doing my voice, I was doing mantras and so on. And I could notice changes. But when I got involved, I had an argument in New York City with a, 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 a tollway booth, a woman in a, a, a subway booth who didn't want to give me my tokens. And she started screaming at me, which is typical for New York City. And I didn't, I'm from Indiana and I, I wasn't that familiar with screaming, <laughs> so like that, not that way. But from Indiana we go, well, okay, <laughs> not New York. Uh, and I got back to the anechoic chamber and I walked in and the first aha moment was that I, this, I sat down and I knew my nervous system. I'd been keeping track of it for at least three months four months, you know, uh, journals and, 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 and graphs and so, and then I heard it, it was instead of like, it was going like, it's like grinding, like chalk on a chalkboard, screaming at me. And I, my first aha moment was, I didn't know that. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that consciously. Wow. 
I was like, oh my gosh, it was like a wake up call. Look at the effect that this had on me. Because uh, yeah, now I could, it was auditory and clear as could be, and I had a baseline to look at, so I knew. It's almost like your blood pressure's low and you measure it as high, it's the same thing. And then, I, of course, at that moment, I had this intuitive insight, is this pop, the intuition's quick, like fire, so it popped in my, just popped in, I've got to tune myself. You know, I'm, I'm out of tune. You know, I've got to tune myself. And I like to tell people that I ran down and got the tuning forks, but it wasn't by chance because intuition works off your skill set. So my skill set was music also, because I, I, I worked at Indian University in psychology and music. I studied with a composer who was a Greek composer who taught us the intervals and how important they were in spirituality and, every, and so on. And I knew all of this going in. Plus, I'd already done a lot of silent retreats and meditation before I even got to the chamber. And all of a sudden, my intuition must have put it together in some strange way, and it popped in my mind, I got to tune myself. And I ran down, in those days, there was a music store below my, almost below my, my lab, <laughs> and I ran down, got the tuning forks, I knew what I wanted, I came back up and I tapped them, and my nervous system is going like this, and all of a sudden, the instant I brought them to my ears, I tapped them on my knees to get a silent sound, like a beautiful tone, the instant I had the left, one in my left ear, one in my right ear, and I closed my eyes, my nervous system went from like screaming to perfect tune with the tuning forks. It just boom, like that. And the, that was the first aha moment. The second one was I felt a wave move through my body and my whole shoulder, I felt my shoulders drop. It's like I had a new body. Mm -hmm. you know, was a, I was here in my nervous system and all of a sudden I got that powerful connection between my nervous system and my whole body. You know, and how, and the sense of a wave, like a tuning wave coming through me. And I was just sat there in total silence and total darkness, listening to a tuned nervous system for, I, I think, I, I can't say today how long it was, but it had to have been at least 15 minutes in total silence and darkness listening. And that's the second aha. And I, from that day on, as you say, that was nearly 50 years ago. Right? And I've been doing nothing but writing about it. If you, if, when I market the tuning forks, I market C and G first always. Uh, and that's where it came from. That one experience is taking me 50 years to keep, it keeps, I like to say, I think in the modern language, when that happened, I got a lot of downloads and they're in my unconscious mind and they keep coming forward in my conscious mind, I keep writing, I keep teaching, I keep doing everything, uh, you know, to, to, to share that experience with others so they could have it. Powerful. Off of what you just said, a couple questions. Um, one is, in your early research, discovering just from this toll booth operator, not giving you a token, uh, did you ever go into the anechoic chamber and mock up different emotions like hate or greed, any of these sort of negatives, so to speak, um, or, or emotions that are deemed as negative instead of just 
parts of the human experience. And did you ever mock up just, or even joy and love, and then see what came forth in the nervous system as a tone? Oh, yeah, because I kept journals. Right. You know, I, I knew my state going in and I, I documented it so okay. I could be sad or happy or I, like, for instance, we'd have a patient maybe, because I, I, I dealt a lot with suicidal patients and so on. I was on suicide watch and I come in and I, I, I knew what I'd been doing, uh, you know, and so I would I would match that to the sound of my nervous system, right? And I, I could hear the pitch. What I began to realize after a while is that if there was something that I wasn't comfortable with, something that I was uh, in denial of or fighting or an emotion uh, or an event, then that pitch would get higher and tighter usually. Mm. Right, and the tightness is what was most uh, revealing. It's almost like instead of the screaming, it was like a, a miniature screaming, you know, and so it, 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 the different, and that led me to understanding what we call somatic psychology, because I was also beginning at the same time studying the works of Wilhelm Reich, uh, uh, Carl Jung, uh, and I was beginning, I was very interested in uh, psychotherapy and the body. And, there, and, and Wilhelm Reich talked about waves and oceanic waves and oceanic pulsations, which really resonated with my sense of that wave moving through me. Uh, and he talked about the waves that move through the body in somatic psychotherapy. So I began to uh, get make those connections between touch and body work, uh, and on, on, a, on, a, on a very rudimentary level, because I didn't know that much body work. <laughs> you know? But I, that's what got me going to learn, like cranial uh, polarity therapy, uh, different forms of touch, and integrating it with sound and psychotherapy. Just off what you just shared with the suicidal patients, did you ever notice that or research or find that these suicidal patients carried a particular frequency with that experience? Well, at the time, no. But I think one has to do that over the years. Uh, I, I write more and more about it, the concept that we are vibrational beings. Yeah. We, we, and, and, I, and consciousness, I'm very interested in consciousness because consciousness is our ability to relate to vibration. Mm -hmm. It's uh, So when we relate to a vibration, like if I were to take C and G and hold it in your ears and ask you your experience, I know that if, if I did it with five other people, right? You all have the same frequency, you're all in the same space, but you would describe it differently, right? Your experience. In consciousness, that's called qualia, meaning you're, we all have the same thing, but you experience it differently. You, you just, you don't experience, I don't think you experience it differently. I think you describe it differently depending on the frequencies you can let pass through you. So therefore, uh, the, uh, I'm not sure how to explain it. <laughs> you, you understand the word qualia? Yeah, and you talked about that when you were leading your workshop, Qualia. Yeah, Qualia is just, uh, I, it was, I began to refer to tuning forks as the quantification of consciousness, meaning yeah. that you, you know, and we live in a world that quantification is more important than quantitative, uh, quali or qualitative. So Qualia is qualitative. So, 
you know, psychotherapy, for instance, psychiatrists have completely, for the most part, given up psychotherapy. They just give drugs because they can quantify them and make more money. You know, so qualitative means that we can have a frequency, and so therefore every everything around us is frequency. And so what's it called? Frequency goes by different names. In psychology, it's called a feeling tone. So if I have anger, and I call it anger, of course, my experience, if I'd ask a person in therapy, how do you experience anger? You know, what does it mean to you to say the word anger? So I don't know what they mean by it. But then I'd ask them further, could you close your eyes and be with the felt sensation of anger in your body? That's vibration. That's pure vibration, right? Once you go to pure vibration, you transcend qualia, right? Right. I'm not telling the person, don't deny qualia, just don't make it the main thing you see in front of you. In in, in scripture, it said, put no false idols before me. Well, qualia becomes a false idol if you're not careful. In, In trauma, you're constantly bouncing off the prefrontal cortex, which is qualia, and not going to pure vibration. Mm-hmm. Pure vibration is absolutely free of judgment and bad and good. It's just vibration. Mm-hmm. It has no meaning. It has no beliefs. It's just vibration. Everything else is added to it. Right? So, therefore, when you can just be with the pure felt sensation and feel it vibrating and you hum it, that's called toning. But that humming is a, it's a, um, it's an expression of what's called in psychology a feeling tone, mm-hmm. right? It's the you're now phenomenologically humming the tone you perceive from the vibration inside of yourself. You're verbalizing a tone that's coming from deep inside. Mm-hmm. So everything is a tuning fork in a way. Mm-hmm. Everything has frequency. If we associate something bad with that frequency, that's a problem. When you were doing the research again, back in the anechoic chamber early on, could you ever see in your inner eye, in your spiritual eye, the shape of emotions as, or energy in motion? Could you see or get intuitive hits if you could draw it on a piece of paper, how they were created different waveforms? Oh, yes. Not only that, there's people that have done the science on it. It's uh, yeah. called synthetics, right? Where you actually could say, you put your finger on a, on a thing that measures the movement in your finger, yeah. and you imagine hate, you imagine anger, you imagine sadness, and it gives different vibration waves. But emotion, you- yeah, emotion meets energy in motion. Right, right. And to that point, that's why I was asking. It's like, well, if emotion is energy in motion, we know it's creating a waveform. Did you, in your intuition, see and get in these meditative states to get particular hits and repetitive hits of particular waves that would show up over and over again? Yeah, constantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if they're just waves. I mean, the, the real question therapeutically, in my understanding is that those waves should just be moving through you. Okay. All right. Right. But when they're not moving through you, that sets up a dissonance pattern. And that's and, and how you perceive that pattern as quality is going to be a, 
possibly a problem in your life, a challenge, a pain in the ass, a trauma, whatever. But that's, you, you can't change a trauma, but you can certainly change the ways moving through your body, uh, from, and the frequencies, and the, it's just like the, the trauma becomes like a dream versus something that you're, you're repeating over and over again. Right. This brings me to my next question, because as a sound healer, I always think of what another teacher of mine, Eileen McKesick, would say, be a window, not a door, right? Just let things move through you. Be like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. type, right? And uh, people will say, oh, you know, you're around people in my sessions all day where people are coming to me and they're coming to me with problems, just like you being when yeah. you were working at Bellevue, right? It's not like you're working with people where, you know, they're having a great day. <laughs> and so you're dealing with all these <laughs> distortions. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a rash because uh, not because of transference, it's just I'm picking up information in the field. And people will say, oh my God, I, can't, I feel so sorry for you. And I say, no, it's just information. And so, Based on what you were just sharing, where it, we get into dissonant states when we don't allow energies to move through us. So my kind of million dollar question is, is that from resistance? Is that from our positioning? Is that from our ego? Is that from the conscious patterns we set up in our againstness? Is that from um, we, all sorts of inputs? What do you, what do you think that's from? All the above. Okay. <laughs> it depends on where you want to. It doesn't matter. You can start anywhere you want. It still has to come to pure vibration. Oh, okay. It's how you unwind the thread. You know, uh, so it, it's one thing to, to, to say that, another thing to clinically apply it. Right? That's, uh, you know, I have lots of ways to clinically apply it. Uh, and I've always integrated the tuning forks with good psychotherapy. Right, and also with good naturopathic medicine, you know, because I'm also a naturopathic physician and a psychologist and a sound healer. Have you ever researched the waves that homeopathy emits? Yes. Well, that's that's I'm a homeopath. Right. Yeah. So I'd love for you to just share what you know about that and what you've discovered as far as vibration around homeopathy, because a lot of people don't know that homeopathy is it's very powerful vibrational medicine, just like Bach flowers. Oh, totally. It, it, people have it associated with pills and stuff, but right. homeopathy, homeopathy is based on vibrational principles. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't even like to give pills. I, I could just focus on something at the frequency, and then you ask yourself, at what amplitude, at what amplitude do you want that frequency? Like I could go and play something super loud and everybody goes like this, but the same tone of I lowered the pitch, the frequency, the hot, I mean, the volume, everybody would say, oh, I like it. There are a point where I like it, and different people like it at different volumes. So all homeopathy does is take something that's toxic, right, like a, a plant that might be poisonous and say, let's get to, this plant causes certain symptoms if it's given at a, at a high volume, but if you lower the volume, it becomes a frequency. And if you let that frequency move through, those symptoms begin to go away. I didn't know that you lowered the volume to make it. But that's what's called you, you, when you potentize something, you, you have CC, 100 CC. In other words, you make it less. Homeopathy is the, the you make the vibration is stronger by making it less, stronger for the person by making it less. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's the same thing at therapy. You can 
you can work with someone who has anger and you don't want to get rid of their anger, you want to have them have a new relationship with their anger, right? Because their anger is a frequency. You can't get rid of a frequency, so you have a new relationship with it. And you do that by backing off the volume, you know, and having them learn how to also, of course, say, like I used to have people, I taught couples how to fight, and we'd have I love you fights. Yeah. But they get louder and softer and learn how to control volume and so on. It's the same thing with sound healing. We, we, we want to pick sounds first that the person can let go through that are neutral, and we want to get them at the right volume so that if you get them too loud, the person's body will tighten. But if you make it the right volume, the same sound that tighten their body at the right volume, they'll relax with it. Couples therapy, it makes me think of that wonderful saying, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I, I make sure people don't say anything derogatory. And, and the tone of how they say it, they, they could say, oh, well, I didn't mean it that way, but it could be carried on a frequency that... That's right. Yeah. So the, but, but the words cannot be derogatory. Right. So they could say, I love you. I have couples, you've got to fight, but you got three words, I love you. <laughs> yeah. oh, great. oh, I'm going to try that with my husband. So just you, know, <laughs> you can say you can you can say I love you more than I love you. You could do you, the words have to be good. You know that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And if, if yeah, and I had a lot of of course in my day I had a lot of people that thought it was unyogic to fight and stuff like that. And that's the fire elements. I teach them how to be, you know, to to talk to each other and and argue without having to hurt each other. Mm, yeah, amen to that. Uh, back to the tuning forks here for a second. Why, and I have your CG and I use it all the time in the field and it's great. People like, break up stuff all the time. It, it, it brings in a, a nice still point and we'll get to the still point, but why C and G? Can you talk about the value of C and G together and what it does? No. Well, first of all, C and G is a relationship, right? And, and consciousness is relationship, right? So it's the quantification of consciousness. It's the quantification of a relationship. And in our modern times, that's saying something. We have, you know, so we're, we're, and the word quantum means to basically to quantify frequency. Right, so we've quantified frequency at a personal level as a relationship that one enters into. And when you enter into that relationship, it's the, the history of that relationship uh, is, is sacred. It's the sacred in, uh, in, 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 the, or in the Vedas, it's the sacred dance of Shiva and Shakti. And in the Taoism, it's, it's the perfect balance of yin and yang. And it's been around for thousands and thousands of years in every musical form around the world, regardless of whether they even knew each other. So you can come to the Americas, you can go to India, you can go to Europe before they even discovered each other. That was primary in their musical systems, right? So we would say in Jungian work, it's a fundamental archetype. It's, a, it's everywhere. So now it's C and G expressed as tuning forks as an archetype. And that archetype is fundamental to the, how your body grows, which is fundamental to something called the Fibonacci series. Uh, and now we've quantified it so that you, anybody, without musical knowledge or anything like that, could have it and enter into a relationship with it. 
you know, in the network. Then the question, that's how my original thinking was. And then, of course, in later, in the, in the, after, the, after 9-1-1, and I was there for the, around that, so the, a group of investors, pay, I got ability to go into a laboratory and then show the physiological, biochemical effects of that and quantify them at a, at, 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 at a, at a level that's more for modern science. But we're talking about quantifying something that's forever, it's thousands of years old. How did you quantify? What did you see or what did they see when you went into the lab? Well, we went into the lab. I was interested. I'd been reading in, in, uh, on a molecule, nitric oxide. It's yeah. one nitrogen, one oxygen. I knew the people in, uh, I met one of the biochemists who won the Nobel Prize for discovering it. I knew what it was. I, uh, I understood it. Nobody had ever heard of it hardly. In fact, heart surgeons thought it was nitric oxide was bad for you. Uh, and, but it was proven the opposite. And, and we looked at something called constitutional nitric oxide. It's a fundamental rhythm, a wave to the whole body, right? And so I said, when I looked at the nitric oxide wave in the lab with other things, with herbs spiking it, I said, God, that visually that looks like my, something about it resonated with my experience in the anechoic chamber. And I said, now can we devise, devise something where we could then uh, test this on tissue? And so we did. Uh, and sure enough, when you saw the nitric oxide wave pop, first you saw the spiking wave, which was CNG activates. Then you saw this beautiful wave of nitric oxide expanding and contracting every six minutes. And I'm telling you, that was I had the same aha moment there I did at the anechoic chamber. And then I talked with Herbert Benson, who, who wrote a book. Uh, he's a, a medical doctor. He's in charge of body-mind medicine. And uh, I think in MI, somewhere in, 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 I think MIT, I'm not sure. And he's a cardiologist, I believe. And he had been studying the relaxation response, which is mediated by nitric oxide. And of course, in the anechoic chamber, I had the relaxation response, if you were to look at it that way. And he called the nitric oxide rhythm, when he witnessed it, he called it the breath of life, R-U-H, the breath of life. And he put that in his books. He said, that's the only way I can describe it as the fundamental breath of life, this wave. And the, the relationship between that and my, my original anechoic experience was absolutely 100% resonant. Wow. I'm just thinking, you know, when we talk about sound, I say to heal is to make sound because sound can induce not only higher vibrations of love and harmony, but also, like you said, using your voice and all this can break up blockages and create a new waveform. So, well, off of that, and I'm sure you're aware of these discoveries and maybe those listening are not, but around sound, there's, there was a study you may be familiar with about two years ago at the Klaus Teixeira Foundation, I think in Germany. And they found that uh, they did a study on their subjects around chronic tinnitus. And yeah. they did right. They, they showed in the MRI, the part of the brain that they believed was responsible for creating tinnitus was being activated. And there were curative effects, of course, on um, 
their tinnitus from sound therapy. And then there was research in the United Kingdom around uh, men with prostate cancer using sound frequency, and they had a 90% cure rate. And uh, I'm sure uh, Big Pharma doesn't want to hear that number right now, but <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> a wonderful number. And, and if I'm correct with this, and you may know this better than me, of course, um, but in Israel, I vaguely remember reading somewhere that they were doing sound treatments with good success on Alzheimer patients and improving that. Yeah, that's more in Israel. There's stuff in America now, too, with that. That's only be, that's only just beginning the Alzheimer's. Uh, Are there any new um, treatments that you're seeing that are coming into the mainstream now? Things that I know, you know, we may have seen out on the periphery or in alternative medicine, but in the mainstream, do you see any of these effects of using specific frequencies like, you know, a Rife technology? Yeah, Find yeah. Course but, but I have I have a little different perspective. I I I'm not again. You know, I like I like the medical. Model. I have to have hip surgery shortly, so I'm happy that I can have it. You know, play uh, golf. You know, <laughs> but basically, uh, I'm I'm not a medic. I'm a naturopathic doctor and a psychologist, and also I look upon things a little bit differently. Whenever you get these, and I've been in the medical model now because of my hip surgery. You know, and I feel like a ping pong ball. They look at little, little, like Alzheimer's. Well, Alzheimer's is just a symptom of something deeper, right? So, and, and I'm more interested. And of course, I did the same thing. People came to me and I have to see them and give them herbs or whatever. And I, I treat them psychotherapeutically. Uh, but as you got down, when I aligned, remember, in psychotherapy, when I'd align the body, to a, a pattern, we use a five-star pattern, which is the same as the CNG. When I would go in and I would uh, adjust to get the pulse moving, the pulse to move through the body, I'd amplify it with CNG and colors and so on. Then you started seeing things go away. Mm -hmm. Because as we say, the brain is nature's drugstore. So then someone starts making their own remedies internally. Right versus, let me see this guy to get this fixed, this guy to get that fixed, and so on. Yeah. Now the hip thing's a little different. That's I, I wish it would work for that, but basically it's like I call it cut and paste. They're gonna basically just cut cut out a joint, and give me a new one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's a little more complex, but that's basically it. So, but that's why I wouldn't ever deny that form of medicine. But my focus is. Uh, and yet, and, and you asked me about medical things like arthritis, Alzheimer's, prostate cancer in general, and so on. And the answer is yes. I think that sound at different frequencies, for example, in sonocytology, which is a form of sound that was developed at UCLA, they were researching bouncing pitches off of cell walls through dark scope microscopy. So you, you put the frequency in and you can measure the cell actually making different sounds. Mm -hmm. And then you can tell the difference between a cancer cell pitch and a healthy pitch. And then they were taking tuning forks that were so little, they could put them in a capsule and made of crystals. The tuning fork were little crystal and you digest them, you eat them, swallow them. They move through your bloodstream and you can activate them through laser lights and trace them. Oh my God, that is amazing. In other words, 
that's the kind of thing that I believe is coming. Uh, you know, and again, that's high tech. But I think when you get into the medical model in this, and, and you get, but the problem is it could be good and not good. In other words, they're now they're inserting frequency. You have uh, venous control devices where you can put pulsations into the venous nerve. Yeah. And it's good for epilepsy. You could actually sit with an iPhone and control frequency of your nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it goes up and it's good for, it attaches to the vagus nerve. It's good for epilepsy. Then they started using it for depression. Everything you can imagine, tuning the vagus nerve through their high-tech surgery, you know, and, and, and frequency. Then they started doing it where they're actually putting a wire into the amygdala of the brain or the hippocampus. That's the core of the brain. They're threading a wire in and, you, and they're sending frequencies through the wire. Uh, and it's called just psychosurgery. I, I watched it at UCLA. It's really unbelievable. And I, I think it holds great hope, but it also holds, think about what else they could do with it. Exactly. And it's, yeah, and, and they say, oh, we wouldn't do that. Well, sure, well, except for the fact that when I was there, quite honestly, how are you funded? Yes, who's funding yeah. Exactly. Well, I happen to find out the military is funding a certain amount of it. You know, they'll take the money from whoever they can, you know. But again, it could be used for healing. If anything, technology could be used for healing or not for healing. Right. Power in the wrong hands is a problem. Always. You know, so the answer is with high tech sound, yes, it's, 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 a, it's it, again, it doesn't make a lot of money at this point. So therefore, pharmaceutical company dominates. You know, as we say, all healing is political in that sense. Yeah, I, yep. Yeah, I, there's so much to say around that, and that's probably another podcast. But what's uh, the politics? It's the politics. Poli you can't get away from politics. You can't, and it's so unfortunate. So well, therefore, I want to say I started with with one thing. I'm homeopathy, meaning that I'm one little drop of vibration in a gigantic ocean, and the best I could do is be that drop of vibration as pure as I could be and send out waves and that's it i can't do more you know and i, I, I always compared it to a little boy in holland that puts his finger in the dike and there's a drop coming through and another drop you know i, I feel like the maybe i made a little 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 dinky pinhole you know but that's but I, i'm happy with that <laughs> yeah yeah it's a podcast you know yeah, that's, it. that's what you do. That's all we could do. We do what we do. But when you do what you do with the right frequency, with the right intention, yeah. that ripples out. Yes, yes. I second that wholeheartedly. Well, I'm just kind of pontificating around what you just said with the, uh, the tuning forks in a capsule and how they utilize um, crystals or lasers and all that. And I'm just going, okay. Well, can't we, I, I have to believe because we're all affected by frequency and we're affected by frequency that's both, as you know, positive and negative, beneficial and detrimental. Um, and I just go, okay, well, we have frequency, we have tuning forks, we have all these different kinds of frequency devices, machines, whatever you want to put a name on, these biospheres, whatever. Can't we get to a point where we don't need to put the frequency in the body? We don't need to cut into the body? No, that's what I'm just saying. <laughs> that's, that's the medical way. Oh, okay, all right. 
If you want to cut it to the body, that's money. <laughs> right, because it's like, oh, wow, how fancy this is really high tech. Mm -hmm. I go, oh my gosh, a tuning fork inside a capsule. Like, that is high tech. How the heck do they do that? But it, it doesn't even have to be that complicated. It's like you said, even with homeopathy, you find the right frequency of a, of a, a tincture and, you know, miracles can happen. Yeah, and again, that's, that's clinical, meaning that the doctors, the, the Western, not all, but a lot of Western doctors, uh, and, and are, it's been in anthropology everywhere, hubris, the hubris of saying that other cultures primitive, and we're not, right? <laughs> so I studied like the chakra system, I studied homeopathy, alchemy, and so on. Young studied alchemy to say these people weren't as primitive as you thought, right? And so, uh, and psychiatry was, in, 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 psychology gave up its soul for behaviorism, and psychiatry gave up its soul for drugs, right? But and both of them were moving in a beautiful direction with Maslow, with Freud, with Jung. And because basically when you, there, there's, when you listen to fre the, 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 the frequencies in you, right? I don't know how to explain it other than that. You, if you listen to yourself, it's like in the anechoic chamber, I could just sit and sit and with the CNG, I went to the space inside of me, that, that's what we call the still point. This, beautiful space and from there I had access to the whole universe I was in this bubble of, and I could just go anywhere I wanted my consciousness wanted it was unlimited mm. you know and we have to remember that the medical model uh, is, is again makes its living off not dying <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? so everything we get very dramatic about dying and I understand I just I just went through it with you know it's in my life. I, I go through it all the time. I'm trained to go through it. Yeah. You know, but but we're vibrational beings. Vibrational beings don't die. Yeah. You know, we, we, we change what we're vibrational beings. And the quality becomes interesting. I love people says, Well I met these my relatives and I say when you know that uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy who writes Life After uh, Life After Death, I think he he's oh, a doctor. Bad. Yeah. Raymond Moody, Raymond Moody, yeah. you know, and they're always seeing that things open up and the people come, but that's quiet. You you see a vibration as someone that you recognize as that vibration, but they're more than that. Yeah, they're more than that. So, so but you're bouncing your quiet off of them. Uh, I like to say it's echoing off the prefrontal lobe, and and then you say that's what I see, and somebody else could be in the presence of the same thing and see some same with like you could be in the presence of someone and say I love that person and the person next to you in the presence of that person says I hate that person yes it's the same person same frequency mm -hmm. yeah. well you mentioned earlier about you just kind of dropped in on the five star diagram five star approach and in, in healing which again I've used that technique and it's it's I mean it's yeah. amazing and um, I have a question around that, that diagram in your book, Human Tuning. Can you explain, and you have it written there in little print, but I'm just curious, how can, can you explain how is the thyroid a governor of oxygen intake? Uh, well, because where it's, it, 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 has to, it has to be open to allow you to breathe smoothly. Okay. Is the thyroid a electrical receiver? And if so, how? 
Well, I'm not sure, actually, so I can't really answer that one. Uh, I can't answer a question. <laughs> no, I have to go. I I have to go back to my anatomy training and stuff. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I don't. Everything. I I would say probably it is, but I, to give the real answer, I'd have to really do some research on it more. Okay. I'm um, honest. I don't know. <laughs> I do. I knew though, but I have to, I forgot maybe. <laughs> well, why, why do you think? Just as a sort of, you know, just go off roading for a quick second. Why do you think so many people have thyroid? Disease. Oh, because of stress and lack of adaptation to change. And when you do that, you shut down your breathing, cortisol levels go up and the thyroid constricts. And then after a while, it won't, it can't, it can't pulsate correctly. It won't, it, it's not open, as you say, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just not working correctly. Okay. Is there, if you had to choose one, or maybe I'll just, I'll just pull that back a little bit and say, one, two, or three. But if you had to choose somewhere between one to three frequencies, which would be the most effective sound for the body, what would it be? CNG. I had a feeling you'd say that. <laughs> but the relationship of CNG. Okay. And when I, even when I take the 128, the, the auto 128 frequency, okay. that's sounding overtones, and the first overtone is an octave than CNG. In other words, in one tuning fork I make is always C and G is primary to that tuning fork. Okay. Okay. Got it. Can can you talk about the significance of the sphenoid and the pituitary? And is this an opening to alternate reality? Absolutely. Well, it's the speed. It's called the. It's the pituitary, and posterior. To the pituitary is called the third ventricle. It's a place. It holds cerebral spinal fluid, uh, and spiro, spiro, cerebral spinal fluid is called the nectar of the gods. It's uh, the precious substance. Uh, it's the substance of light. It's it's absolute clear and purified. It has no karma in it. It's 100% a neutral liquid, and be and and posterior to the third ventricle is the pineal gland. So you have to look at the sphenoid and its relationship to pituitary, third ventricle, and pineal. And surrounding that is the limbic system. And encasing the third ventricle is the thalamus. And the thalmi, the two thalmi, the, uh, the right and left, they, they receive vibrational wave, sensory vibrational wave information through sound, through the auditory pathway, through light, I just made colored glasses for light that are highly tuned to the tuning forks, but your eyes have a, have a non-image forming pathway. It goes directly to the thalamus, what's called the mediate genulate bodies in the thalamus, and so does your touch. Touch goes to the same place. All these vibrational channels go to the thalamus. What you can imagine is like headphones around the ventricle, and it vibrates into the ventricle a pure vibrational pattern that structures the cerebral spinal fluid into the wave, like a cymatic picture, into the waveform of a beautiful geometric structured cerebral spinal fluid. That is what moves. And when you come into resonance with that, what happens is it sets the pineal gland in motion. It begins to tune, to literally vibrate with that resonance. 
And that's what's called the crown chakra. That's, that's your antennae to the greater universe. The pituitary tunes you into this your life and what's going on. The pineal tunes you into as above, so below to the greater universe. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I have them all right here. You know, there's the, the ventricles. Oh, gosh. So this is an audio, but maybe I, I should know, I show this part, portion on my um, YouTube or my Instagram. So show me what you're showing me. Well, there's a sphenoid. Okay. And in Chinese medicine, it's called the butterfly boat. It looks like a, a hang glider, a butterfly, a Rorschach test. Right? And sitting on, and this right here is called the turkey saddle. It's got a saddle and wings, greater wings and lesser wings, and a saddle. It said this saddle right, oops, right here is the seat of consciousness. The pituitary gland would be right here with the saddle. The saddle has on top of it a diaphragm that's like a drum head, and it vibrates. And sitting right on top of the drum head is the third ventricle. Mm. which is the middle of the middle one with the it has, it has a hole in it but it really doesn't in real life and behind the third ventricle right here where my finger is pointing is called the pineal it's the Haber, stalk of Habris it's a it's a, like an antennae it's your pineal gland the third eye ultimately and then that's the eye of God it lifts up like so so this sphenoid bone is literally moving like this and when it's moving it's dancing on the third ventricle. Like this is the dance floor and this is the dancer. And that's dancing vibrations, like so. Mm. And it's sending them through the water. And that, but it's vibrations coming up from below because you're getting sensory feedback, right? That's coming in. But the trouble is that the sensory feedback before it, in other words, when it goes to the thalamus, it's immediately almost, originally we thought that those, the granulate bodies at the thalamus meant nothing. They were just relay stations. And that, an, for example, an auditory signal would go into, the, into the, the relay station and go directly to what's called the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be the qualia, right? That's, that's how you would see the vibration and go right back. Okay. Right? But, but then we know now, no, it actually goes here and stops for a little bit. A little bit could be a mic, but the research shows that it's vibrating the third ventricle as a pure wave. Wow, it's fascinating. And then the pure wave goes to the frontal lobe, prefrontal cortex comes back and that interferes with it. So, the, so if you keep a repetitive pattern, you keep restructuring the water to that repetitive pattern. Mm. You know, whereas if you could just sit and you're mindfully meditating on a sound without giving it a meaning, right, without giving it anything but just the sound itself, what happens is that you, you, you short circuit that, that prefrontal cortex loop. Okay. Right, and so then you restructure the spinal fluid, and you not only restructure it, but you you essentially you amplify it. In other words, now that restructured fluid has amplitude. It's, we say it's potentized, and, right? And that potent fluid begins to move all over the body. If you don't do that, the prefrontal cortex just puts you in a loop where you keep repeating the same thing over and over again. 
Wow, that's so fascinating because there's so much talk about the prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, and I understand it in a very different way sometimes. And, uh, but also with the use of psychedelics, which is very popular now, what it does, it deactivates what we call the default mode network. Default mode network is your routine. You do this, you do that over and over again. That's the, it's bouncing off the pre, everything is like, uh, it's routine, right? So the psychedelics interrupt routine. Mm. You know, and, but sound does the same thing. Sound is much better. <laughs> it's easier than good. <laughs> but drugs look like they have my money, so. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that in, in, your, um, in your book, when you were working with, uh, or you witnessed many patients regarding psychedelics and, and other drugs, you witnessed the observable effects of hundreds of patients, right? Yeah. That had bad trips when using, you know, oh, yes. but also uh, ones that went into alternative realities and all that associated with the psychedelics and all that. But my, you, you do mention that the mind, you discover that the mind becomes limited in its ability to transition into a form of, and it becomes a form of dependency. And you mentioned Carlos Castaneda, where he says, you know, eventually you're not going to need it anymore. And I can, I can really relate to that. It's like, I don't poo poo psychedelics is it, it's a great doorway for some people, but ultimately it's, it, I, it's I a doorway. Be, you it's said a doorway. it's a doorway. That's it. Okay. And, you know, and do you need to, you know, how, how much do you, how much, how much amp volume and amplitude do you need to open the doorway? Ah, well said. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, basically, my my diary opened when I was three years old, and I heard the sound of the piano. Like, whoa! Yeah, I don't do, uh, and I don't do, you know, opioids or psychedelics. But when I had uh, uh, THC, I, yeah. I literally, I mean, my husband will be laughing if he hears this podcast because I had a half, a half of a cookie when I had gum surgery, and I got off a plane. I was in so much pain, and a friend just gave us a cookie, gave me a little bit of a cookie. And he said, oh, this will take the edge off. I got to tell you, I, I not only left my body, like floating above my body, I was tossing my cookies. I was throwing up for hours. I kept leaving my body and slamming back into my body. I ended up in going in an ambulance, which is Again, for some listening, we'll find this hilarious. And I can even remember as I left my body being on the ceiling of the ambulance, I could see my husband and the driver of the ambulance saying, boy, she really is a rookie, isn't she? And yep. they're having a laugh about it. So to your point, my doorway, I think, was and That's right. And, and that's why people have to be very, very, very careful. Yeah. Very careful. That's what we, uh, that's, that was a bad trip. <laughs> oh my God, was it ever. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it was, it was but, awful. <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to show you how I do psychedelics. I, I got it right. I got my psychedelics right here. Okay. Uh, this is called a Schauberger spiral okay. from Victor Schauberger, mm -hmm. uh, Germany. And inside of it is a psilocybin mushroom. What? Can you see it? Let's see. I'm going to have to show this to you guys on the uh, Instagram. Yeah, that's a mushroom inside. It's psilocybin, uh, grown now organically, 
in my basement. <laughs> of course, now people are microdosing, right? So this is, so I'm interested in, I think how it affects the neural network. So I, the, the spiral will amplify, it's a vibrational amplifier of psilocybin frequency. Wow. And so basically my whole room is, is every, you walk in this room, the frequency of psilocybin is amplified in here. What does it feel like? Well, it depends if you're, like I said, if you, if someone's door is not open, they won't even notice it. Mm -hmm. it. It depends for me. That's the best I could do. If I took, I actually started taking it, I'd be in the ambulance like you. It's just, it, it, it just, just it, it brings me down to, to, to take the actual physical drug. Mm -hmm. As you know, no one understands that. Yeah. Uh, but what really does it for me is like my lyre. You see my piano lyre over there? You yeah. can see it. I go and play that. I play, I, sound is, I go out on the sound and I can come back. And when you do that, it's making the same chemicals in your body as the psychedelics is making through the pineal gland and so on. Oh. And Castaneda said in his book, he told Carlos, first of all, after the first book, there was never drugs given ever again, ever. Books two, three, four, and on, he never took a drug. And he said to Don Juan, why did you give me drugs? He says, because you were dense. Oh. Right, and then, there's in, in the second book, he says to Carlos Nasneda, you must go home and do nothing but listen for seven years. I don't even want you back here. You must listen to sounds in a new way, constantly listen in a new way. Only then can you come back and know true shamanism and sorcery. Oh, God. I have, all, I have all the quotes I, I give people. And then he comes back and Don Juan spreads a spirit catcher across a big stream. It's like you've got a 30-foot spirit catcher, a leather rope. He, and he plucks it like this above the water. Yeah. And Castaneda is able to travel through the holes, the nodes, and the sound to other realities. No drugs. Ah, no drugs. That, that says, speaks volumes. So do all frequencies create a pattern of sacred geometry. And yes. Say yes. Yes. All frequencies are also geometric. Are they all sacred geometry? Yes. For me, they are. Okay. It depends on your relationship to it. Okay. How can we, uh, yoga says to means to unify, right? Right. Into yoga. Therefore, if, but if everything's unified, everything's sacred. If everything's unified, then everything's sacred. Yes, true. Yeah, there you go. So how could a frequency not be sacred? Ooh, even though those that sound tough to hear, they're still sacred. To who? To who? Well, right, right, right. Okay. Music, music's a near the beholder. Mm-hmm. Right. I play all kinds of... I use C and G because it's neutral. It's easier for people to listen to for therapeutic reasons. Mm -hmm. As an artist, you, I mean, the sounds I do are off the charts. I, mean, <laughs> I explore anything. You know, I love listening to car horns. I love listening to all kinds of stuff going on around me. I got this lyre. I, I love dissonance in music is not dissonance to me. If it's, that's just a common word people use in a certain genre of music. 
when I was studying, uh, I studied classical and stuff, and that was one thing. Uh, I studied piano. I went to India, and they thought the piano was the devil's instrument. Hmm. Some people listen to death metal, and that could be their way to God. I, I do. I like it all. I listen. I was listening oh, to yeah, Jack, oh, yeah, Jack. Yeah, go, 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 go. You gotta, but you got to get into it, right? And uh, I used to go to the Beastie Boys concerts. I went to the rest. I, I did all kinds of stuff. I, I Because when you get into it, it's this frequency going through you versus fighting it. You know, all, all the people in the... The, who grew up in the 50s, their parents thought rock and roll was the devil's music. Now rock and roll is in the church and it's Jesus's music. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sacred. All frequencies are sacred. Our relationship to the frequencies aren't sacred. <laughs> okay. Gosh, that's a great teaching right there. Thank you. Are there any forks that can create the star tetrahedron? The star tetrahedron? Tuning yeah. Which ones? C and G. Damn, right back to the C and G. Boy, it, it, it creates them all. Within C and G is like a seed. But I have, I have actually graphics of that star tetrahedron and, and its relationship to C and G and the nervous system and so on. Wow. You might know who did this study, and I've mentioned this in another episode, and uh, I've yet to look it up, but you might know the answer to this. There was someone who did some um, research on sounds, on, 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 on states of being, love, fear, hate, all that, and love was not the highest frequency. Peace was not the highest frequency. Well, I don't know how they did that research. I, I never understand how you could really get that. Uh, love to me, like people said, oh, you know, the frequency of love is 528. Yeah. Give me a break. Give me a break. If a mother loves her child, you know, it, they, they say you can't love your child and play rock and roll. You know, and that you, or the babe. I, I've heard all kinds of things. You're dealing with qualia. Uh, five frequent, every frequency is love. Every frequency is the frequency of love. There is no other thing but love. So therefore, every frequency has within it the ability to be loved and love. It's just a matter of how it moves through. If it moves through you, you love it. You every can project, yeah. frequency is a frequency of love. Every frequency. Good night. Not one, not one everyone. Wow. The whole universe is a frequency. Isn't that not the teachings of yoga? I mean, it is. It is. Sorry, I just lost my... That, that will be edited out. <laughs> Frequency, frequency is a new term. It's only been around for 400 years. Yoga has been around for 3000 years. I mean, they didn't, but they knew vibration. They knew relationship with vibration. They just didn't quantify it the way we do. When you talk about the bijas, what do you find are the most, I mean, they're all sacred. They're all potent. And maybe it's just that time of day or what you need or what you want to be, what you're drawn to what you just intuitively want to activate all the many names or sounds of God. But is there one that you would recommend for someone listening to this and should they start chanting? Is there one that you say, start with this, start with Om, start with Hugh, start with awe, or it's like. Well, it's no, actually I, I always say this, this hum C and G that's a Bija right there. Oh. But also if you want, it's neutral, it's more neutral. Uh, when it comes to the Bija mantras that are in the petals of the chakras, uh, 
those to me are much more, I tune into you and I give you Abhijah. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's diff a little bit different. If you just want to do something neutral, do Om. You know, it's, uh, yeah. we, we hum like this. Mm, it's the same thing as Om. You can hum Om. Or you can hum Mom, whatever you want. So that's the neutral. Everything to me has to be for healing as neutral as possible. Otherwise, especially if I'm going to do sound with a Christian, like I did, I did the tuning forks for the Pentecostal convention in Indiana, right? And when I did it, they thought they were the devil's instruments. And I said, no, these are just, you tune your guitars with these. Mm -hmm. And in a matter of about one minute, when I, when I just told them up and said, these are neutral, and you all use them, da-da-da-da, they were tapping them, spinning and getting gifts of spirit. They, they relaxed, relaxed, they were happy as could be. But if I went to the Buddhist place, I don't think I'd explain it the same way. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's so interesting. I, you say that. I was just working with somebody recently who's uh, born again, and uh, they had heard about my work, so they wanted to try sound healing, but then they found out that I use tuning forks, and that they said, well, I don't think Christ would approve of this. It's not Christ. And I said, says who? I work with Christ. I love Christ. He shows up in every session. <laughs> he loves tuning forks. <laughs> ask, ask if they, if they, if they use tuning forks to tune their guitar. Right. They do. You know, in Christian rock, they use tuning forks to tune. Yeah, but they tune in their instruments to the devil. You see, it doesn't take long before it's, it, 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 they just want to put their meaning on it. You know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, no, I, and, and also I do the same thing. I've been, I'm from Indiana. I got saved. I'd like to say I'm oversaved. Every week we got saved. <laughs> you know, I have, I, I love Jesus. That's why I got invited to the Pentecostal convention because I grew up with all the tents and people coming in and the, and my friends became ministers and this and that and they invited me back. And, um, and I tell them Jesus, you know, is the way I don't tell them Buddha's also, I, that to me is all quiet underneath of Jesus is this vibration. It's just vibration. Yeah. Cl clinically, you have to pace the other person's choir in order to create an environment of safety. So the amygdala doesn't activate to get the pure frequency into the third ventricle. Oh, God, that needs to go in a book somewhere. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, I just want to shift gears before we go real quick. I just found out you wrote Bellevue mem memoirs yeah. and congratulations. And I can't wait to read it. It's a collection of stories you write about over the years with these patients in this psychiatric hospital and the experiences of working with them um, as a researcher and a therapist. And uh, you mentioned that in your book, sort of as an overview that, um, or I should say you mentioned as a, a sort of theme that the overall message or realization that you had is that you is everywhere, that yes. it's part of a yeah. continuum that exists yeah. in all of our lives. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's saying that it dawned on me first, actually, it was there when I worked at the hospital, but especially when I went to India and I came back and I thought, God, you know, like most of my patients would be normal here. <laughs> <laughs> And my, my mentor uh, was a, name, uh, a psychiatrist named R.D. Lang. 
right? And R.D. Lang said that all these things are ridiculous. You know, and of course, that's what caused psychiatry to get rid of psychotherapy and go to drugs. It was him that did it because he exposed them for certain things. But basically, Bellevue is everywhere is just saying that everybody is manic depressive, everybody is schizophrenic, everybody is all, it's just a matter of how long you are those things. Mm. Right? Okay. You know, and so, and I worked with severely, you know, severe mental patients, you know, uh, hospitalized. And I, primarily, actually, what my job was in the end was I worked with them in the community uh, in normal life, right? And I treated them normally, and I, but I, I got into their reality, right? And when I got into their reality, you, they could, I didn't want to take away being manic, depressive, or schizophrenic. I wanted them to have the ability to shift back and forth between different realities, which I think is very important. Oh, sure. so, and so like when I say Bellevue is everywhere, everybody's crazy. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you're not crazy, you, to me, if you're not crazy, you've got a problem. Right. What the heck is normal? It doesn't exist. Yeah. In fact, the normal in 1973 compared to the normal now, it, it's incomprehensible. Yes. There's, there's people walking around that would have been hospitalized everywhere like when i actually it happened to be right when i got to new york city in bellevue and i watched people walking around the city from indiana where i did my residency i said god those people should be in the hospital no they're okay (laughs) that's when it began i'm going holy shit those people are really oh no no they're okay they're okay just leave them alone you're going to see better than that I'm just rewinding it even like further back in history, like the first woman who ever like walked out in a pair of pants. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's like craziness. Is, I, I, you'll see in the book. I just I, I tell lighter stories in the book only because it's uh, I, it's just a little thing I use for counseling. Uh, it's a but basically one of the stories is when I first got to Bellevue Psychiatric. Uh, I didn't know how to get in the hospital. I went. They told me to go to the back door because. I had to get in there to see, you know, to get my papers and stuff. And there was a man standing in front of the door in a Superman costume. And he, and he said, he stood like this, he says, I'm the man of steel, you may not enter. And basically, I was like, what am I, wow, I got to go to work. And then it, he, he said, and somebody said, go over there and see the, the is the psychiatric, go over there and see the, the doctor. Uh, and and I, I went over there and I said, look, there's a guy in a Superman costume. Why is he in here in the ER? Why is he out there? And he says, he says, wait a minute, who are you? I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm here to work. I'm coming from Indiana. He said, that's the problem. <laughs> and he, says, he says, look, that's the Superman out there. Why should he be in here? And he, he opened his drawer and he gave me green rocks. He said, if you want in, just hold this up and that'll take care of it. Like kryptonite. So I held up the screen rock and the guy, he, oh, he went like that. And he opened the door. He said, go away, go away. <laughs> so every day I had to go in and get green rocks to go to work. Wow. <laughs> and, but they, again, they, that was normal. That was New York City. Had the same guy been in Indiana, he'd be electroshocked, medicated and everything. <laughs> right, right. Wow, that's so powerful. And now you can't even get in. They didn't even have... It's like, forget it. People are on the street walking around everywhere. <laughs> That's so powerful. Well, I mean, I'm out of questions for you, John. 
a buzzing, and uh, I feel like I'm getting hit by that psilocybin a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at the frequency. <laughs> kind of blast. The psilocybin spiral amplifying. <laughs> and I feel it like a. Yeah, it's it's like it's a beautiful vibration. It's almost like rings of Saturn. Yeah, yeah, yes. All psilocybin is is a certain frequency of vibration. You know, it's that's it. You know, and. Be beyond the quality of the plan and getting high and all that stuff. You don't want to get high. You just want it, it opens you to its higher octaves of frequencies. Like if you think of the piano, a C and the next note up, another C, the octaves, they're quantum entangled. You know, they would resonate up for infinitely and and down infinitely. I'm 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 stupefied by your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that immediately, and that uh, 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 sure. What's his last name? I want the I want the copper spiral. Oh yeah, you, you don't know about him, Victor Schauberger. I do know about him, but I don't know about that device. Uh, I'll see if I can't find out where to get them. You get them in England. I also have. Let me show you where I drink my water out of. Let's see if I can get. Them. What the heck <laughs> is that? It looks like an. And, oh, it looks like a harmonic egg. A mini it, harmonic it's a Schauberger egg. Oh, okay. And I fill it with water. Okay. And the water, because of the shape of the egg, when the water comes out, the spout is spiraling. It has a vortex in it. It's sacred geometry. Is that crystal? No. It's, I don't know what it is. It's not crystal. It's just, uh, it's, it's not plastic or anything like that. It's a, a plaster, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, but... Uh, so I had to, it's basically that's an, antibacterial. Okay. Bacteria can't grow in there. In fact, in Germany, for example, all the streams that go in straight lines that the, their engineers made, they're tearing them all up and making them go like this, meander. Wow. Put the spirals back in everything. God, that's so that's great. What, that's what CNG does. It puts the spiral back in one's life. Wow. Putting the spiral back in one's life. Do you feel the difference when you drink that water opposed to just without putting it in there? Oh, yeah. What is the sensorial difference? Well, for me, it's just, I don't know how to describe it. I just, when I go, when I go into the sound, when I'm in the sound, which is in my studio now, the sound everywhere here, uh, I just, I, I, I sense the stillness in the sound. I, I find the stillness easier to come by. Yeah. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. If we're, we have the power where our brain is, is its own pharmacopoeia, uh, if we can create our own frequencies, if we can come into that still point, can't I take, say, like this water bottle here from Whole Foods and I can meditate on it and then I can create the same spiral more yes. or less? Yes. Okay. That you, if you have that kind of relationship, it'll happen automatically. Is it automatic or does it, do we know oh. that it happens automatic? Well, I know it from my patients, you know, that if I'm in, in sync with them, you can just they go to the still point and they'll make a change. That's when they shift. Like they'll, they'll shift into other, I can help them shift into out of something into something new. But does that frequency, my state of still point, transfer to the water automatically? As a no, you, you transfer to the water. If you think that water is toxic and this and that, it probably won't work. But if you, if you hold the water and meditate with it, that water is going to take on a resonant frequency 
and it would begin, it would be potentized. We said in homeopathy, you would be, in fact, the best homeopathic remedies aren't pills, they're remedies in water. Hanuman said, those are the best remedies ever. That's why the cerebral spinal fluid is a homeopathic, can be, be a homeopathic remedy. So you have that water, that water will take on intention, and intention is frequency. Mm -hmm. yeah. you can, that's, I think Emoto showed that pretty quite well in his pictures. Yeah. You know, you, you visualize something. When you visualize something, you think, oh, it's a, I visualize, and that's the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. But underneath of that visualization is a frequency. So why, just is just a curious question, because I take a lot of homeopathy, homeopathic tinctures. Why are so many homeopathic tinctures in ethanol or alcohol? They want to preserve them. Because that's they're, it. yeah, that's it. That's preserved. It's the same with Bach flowers. They're preserved. Okay. Yeah. Is, that, is that bad to have all that in there? Or is it just fine? The body can break it down. About with that at that level, the body will break it down. I suppose if you're alcoholic, it's bad. But I had a friend of mine who was a severe alcoholic, and uh, he and ran out of. He called me up Sunday when he couldn't get alcohol on Sunday, and I and I had in those days. This is like 1974, five. I had box, big box flower bottles, the whole set. Uh -huh. I took him over, and he stole it. He drank the whole set. What? Yeah, and then he stopped drinking. <laughs> and then, and then, not only did he stop drinking, but he was, he was independently wealthy. He made gold and silver acupuncture needles, yay big, and he doused the earth, and he spent 20 years flying and acupuncturing the earth. <laughs> Is he still alive? No, he passed away like three or four years ago in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm in Hawaii. God, I would have loved to talk to him. My God. Oh, God, he was a trip. I mean... And he ran a poetry magazine. He was a New York artist and stuff. It was pretty, but he just took he just took off and did it. I mean, who knows? He drank my whole Bach flower. <laughs> he drank them all. You just you know, you opened up his doorway in a big way, and look at what you did for him. <laughs> I have no, I didn't do it. He was an alcoholic. I gave him alcohol. Wow, but alcohol was his great vehicle to transform. How cool is that? Yeah, flower, I gave him flower alcohol. I don't know, but that's what happened to him. Wow, that, that's such a great story. Okay, last question, I promise. So there's grids on the planet. There are yeah. different places. You know, I've been to Himalayas. I felt that energy. I just came from Kauai. I went to the Nepali coast, and my, my heart just broke open, and I just said, this is my home. And uh, then you hear all these stories. It's a portal. It's uh, the Lumerians there, you know, it, so on and so forth. Quaya. The stories are quaya. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay, we hear these stories. We hear other people's projections on these areas and all these people like you go to the Himalayas. Oh, well, this sadhu is there. This guru is here. Okay, great. But we can, in our power, go to any place on earth. I can sit here in my condo yeah, and right. I can make it my nepali coast correct yes yes that's yes you can that's vibration you we're that's zoom <laughs> that's all it's showing us the, 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 the technology is showing us what we can do without the technology yeah i just needed to hear that from you so that yeah. we don't have to go to india we don't have to go to wherever you think you need to go not to say don't go i mean by all means go travel explore the world see it be there you know be let me there. how i i'm going to show you how i deal with that healing yeah let's say that 
I see a person only once I can see them for five minutes. And I, I merge and I think, oh my God, there's all these things I want to do for them. But I can't. You know, and then how would you feel if you can't do all the things you want to do? You see, so what I do is I go in the future when I do all those things, I get the frequency of it and I give it back to them. Wow, so great. That's so great. Because mm-hmm. yep. it's frequency. So you mock it up. You just go into... I go in the future. I live it. I visualize it. I want to give you five uh, cranial sessions. I want to focus on this. I know it. See, intuitively, I see it. I want to talk to you about this in your life. I see this. I want to do that. Every Everything that I've merged with, that I've gotten, I'm capable of working with through frequency. And the future is just a way of putting frequency together for the present. His, in other words, vibrations out of time, out of dimension, you know, it's dimensions. I can go to another dimension if I need to. I'll go anywhere I need to, assemble it, and feed it back through the sound or my touch. I feed it back vibration to vibration, and now I merged at that level that's safe, and the resonance will take place. That's the remedy right there. I'm just going to wrap this episode up in a sweet vibrational bow. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and it on its way. Good. Uh, John Bilyeu, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your wisdom. You're welcome. And I'm sorry I missed our first one. I, oh, you know, you, you, I told you it's a rough time for me. It's, yeah. It still is, but I, I'm much better now. Yeah, and, and I just so greatly appreciate you taking the time yeah. knowing that. And um, your your work is 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 of immense uh, immense service to the world. I myself am grateful, and uh, I know many people listening. You're gonna bring a lot to the table for them. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform, or go to spiritualgeekout.com.